welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of your favorite weekly crypto show, Weekly Roundup with Ricky. This is episode 37. I apologize for last week. I had some technical difficulties, so I had to push it for this week. Again, uh, the format is pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about the project uh, and... Then we're going to jump into market in general, which I divide into specific categories, and I try to lump information into those categories. So it's easy to consume and easy to remember. Um, so there's things like we're going to talk about CBDC updates. We're going to talk about regulations. We're going to talk about adoption. We're going to talk about some wholesome stuff happening um, in the crypto space. So to start us off, we're going to talk about our MetaLeon updates and TCFX updates. As you know, uh, we have been branding, we have been pushing ourselves, uh, well, kind of repositioning ourselves and uh, bringing TCFX to the forefront of things because, uh, as you know, when you launch a rocket ship into space, there's stages of that rocket ship, so you keep detaching aspects of it as you keep moving forward. So uh, good news is we're not detaching anything. Everything is coming with us, but the but the thrusters are now taking effect in the TCFX side of things because that's where the real meat of the project is. That is our baby right there. So we're we're building um, something incredible. We already have it. Now we're working through the hoops of regulation. And I noticed in Discord somebody, I think it was Matt, he, he mentioned that it must be daunting to do everything right by the book. And what he what he was hinting at by saying that um, it was saying that doing things right in this space and doing them right, meaning whatever information you have, you try to be extremely cautious and intellectually honest with your regulation approach. And I don't think a lot of NFT, NFT projects out there do that. So we're trying to set the standard. We've mentioned it multiple times. I've mentioned it so many times that we are okay to put in the extra effort, we don't care if we have to put in the extra hours, but we want to be correctly regulated because setting us up, this will set us up for long-term success. And uh, we're not about quick success. We're not about short-term gains. So if things happen, they happen. Um, and we're just going to keep adapting and moving forward and keep being proactive. Proactivity is something that I'm extremely proud to say that Alex Antonio have and every conversation I have with them, it is insane how much work these guys are putting in. Like, they don't sleep. They don't. It's crazy. So uh, every time you get a chance to talk to them, thank them for the work that they're doing because it's it's beautiful how they're planning everything so meticulously and aligning all the stars because you just cannot sit around and wait for the stars to align. You have to do it yourself sometimes. So they're doing everything in their power to make sure that we are an absolute success. And it's all because we want to structure ourselves in a way that the community is not just on the sidelines. It's, it's at the left front and center of everything we're doing and on the revenue side as well. So um, just, that's why these weekly roundups are essential because these will help you see where we're heading and you will see that 
you're you as the community are such an integral part of this entire journey and you have an active role to play by being self-educated on these subjects and learning about um the process that we're going through and it's easy for us to completely ignore this process in terms of not sharing it with the community because it's too much information and that's okay if people don't want to learn about it that is totally fine but i know there's people out there that want to know uh, they hear about regulation, regulatory uncertainty, and when they see this process, they'll be able to compare, like, okay, this is what a regulatory certainty environment looks like, and there's a pathway to get registered. There's, there's things you can do to be on the right side of the law. So once we're said and done with this whole process, everybody in the Leon family would have information or would have learned how to register an SDO company like it's it's crazy how people don't talk about this and they want to keep all this in the behind the curtains and I think most founders do that because they just outsource everything they just hop it they just throw money at the problem and they get it all done they'll hire the most expensive lawyers and they'll overcharge them because hey it's not my money it's my community's money so I can spend whatever I want that kind of attitude is not something that flies in the Meta Leon family we value every Thing in terms of emotion, finance, anything that has been invested. Um, founders have a huge vested interest because of their own like time, energy, and money that they've put into this effort. I have a vested interest because I know what we're building is miles apart from anything that, that can be built now or in the future because we'll always be ahead of the curve. Um, so yeah, um, with that little Shapil there, I, I really had to share it because, uh, there's a reason I do this on a weekly basis and I felt bad for not being able to do it last week. Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Meta Leon and TCFX updates. So the first one that we have is Ax Antonio mentioned that they have a new meeting scheduled with KOB, which is kind of blue. And if you remember, that is Michelle Konizinski who is a advisor to the project that is his brainchild and that is a potential project the first potential project that is going to be launching on our TCFX platform to raise funds so this collaboration will be to um, kind of work through some hoops uh, that we'll be running into um, to still be able to be associated with this project and bring it on board upon our launch because it'll be really good for our branding and overall exposure because starting off with a solid project when you launch a platform is absolutely essential and who knows this information better than the man himself that built one of the largest crowdfunding platforms himself in his days uh, so having michelle on our side is just absolutely incredible so planning ahead again um what we're going to be discussing in this meeting is um, TCFX is going to be operating more on the side of a tech provider for this fundraise. Um, so um, KOB is going to be bringing in their own investors because of certain like regulatory um, limitations right now as we work through all the licensing, uh, just so that we don't have to slow down or anything. Um, we will be functioning as a tech provider for this fundraise. So they will have their own investors. They'll be utilizing our platform to generate their tokens, stuff like that, have equity, all that. Um, 
this will help us have like a super successful um, first operation uh, in terms of investment. And it'll be a really nice proof of concept as well. So getting us out of the door. Um, they also are extremely excited to be working very closely with us uh, because TCFX has caught their attention um, and they really appreciate that we have more ideas for the future collaboration opportunities um, after this first operation. So this is a long-term, I, I have a strong feeling this is a long-term initiative and uh, with KOB's growth would lie TCFX growth initially and having a proof of concept under our belt to show that this is how everything works would be again, good for the community as well to learn the mechanisms. Cause you could read about something every day, but when you see it functioning is a totally different beast. So I think this would be a wonderful learning opportunity as well for our community. Next up, our notary uh, has confirmed that all the documents uh, that they had collected have been sent to the chamber of commerce uh, end of last week, since Antonio, as if you were in Discord, you've seen him excited. He finally got his DNA information. So um, all that information has been forwarded to the Chamber of Commerce. And we should expect the company registration to uh, begin. I believe it's probably begun this week. And whenever uh, that's done or sometime before that, expect an announcement in the Discord server for a town hall for Alex Antonio to walk through uh, general updates and some upcoming steps on certain things related to TCFX and the and the project in general. Um, so that should be um, an exciting week coming up for us. So um, that is all for the project for now because of the slowness of just bureaucracy sometimes with the DNA thing taking longer and initial information of uh, only information needed on only one founder, but then they figured out that, oh, they actually, they're now asking for two founder information, both founders. It's okay. It's all right. It's not, it's not like hell breaking loose. We're just, it's not, it's really painful when you're working so hard and diligently to be slowed down by bureaucracy. So I get it. I get Antonio's frustration. He was so frustrated with all this, but he's like, you know what? This is time. This has helped us get more time to continue to perfect the product and align everything with the product to be extremely successful when we're out of the door. So it could be a blessing in disguise. Who knows? Uh, we're going to now talk about the market update. So we're going to start off with CBDC. So central bank digital currencies are something I keep covering and I will keep covering because keeping an eye on them and what different countries are doing is going to help us realize how fast this trend is coming all over the world. Those that are thinking that this is not going to happen are living under a rock. Every country on this planet potentially at some point we'll have a central bank digital currency. It's just the next logical step. And some might not be on blockchain. Some might be on blockchains. We just don't know. But we know that the next level of control is coming. That's not, again, all doom and gloom. Some countries will implement very uh, thoughtful CBDC policies, which will preserve privacy, but also provide inclusion of finance through digital wallets. Uh, I get it. That's why I follow these, because I want to keep an eye on both the good and good and the bad of this experiment. So starting off, 
Uh, Brazil is where we're going to go first. Um, so both national and global companies like Visa and Microsoft uh, will be participating in an upcoming Brazilian central bank digital currency pilot project. Banco Central de Brazil, uh, the country's central bank, will begin adding participants to the digital real uh, platform around the mid of June. So it's coming up, coming up here fast. Uh, so this is going to be interesting because having Visa and actually I was surprised to see Microsoft's name in there because I don't think Microsoft has been pushing their DLT product. So DLT, again, different term for blockchain. Um, they haven't pushed anything crazy. I know Google's been pushing, Microsoft's been, uh, not Google and Amazon Cloud have been pushing their crypto and blockchain products like crazy. So seeing seeing Microsoft in there was kind of interesting. And Brazil has been very pro-crypto for, for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see what their CBDC pilot uh, looks like. Uh, next up, we're going to jump over to Asia. We're going to go to Japan, where the Bank of Japan has released the results of its second phase of its central bank digital currency proof of concept. So Japan is just doing doing what Japan does best, being absolutely meticulous in everything they do and plan everything to the T. Like It's insane. So they already are sitting at the completion of a second phase of their proof of concept. And there's countries that have not even started their first phase. And I'm, I'm beyond blown away by how swiftly and how diligently Japan is moving. Um, so the second phase is complete. And um, this confirms that uh, their first pilot now is going to start and is projected to launch on schedule, which is going to be in April. Imagine a government launching something on schedule. It's it's insane. And there, no crap. Like Japan's trains, like they're if they're late by like thirty seconds, people apologize. Like it's insane. So I see I see the efficiency from top down now. So. Pretty cool. Um, two pilot, uh, two proof of concepts done. Now they're moving on to pilot programs. So initial proof of concepts were more along the lines of basic functionality, uh, like sending, receiving. Um, the basically what's going to happen now, as part of this uh, this first testing phase, uh, they're going to now start testing like safeguards of ensuring the stability of the financial system. Uh, and how are they going to do that? So basically, they're going to test out scenarios like what happens when you switch uh, the financial system from bank accounts to CBDCs. So that kind of switch, like how does that affect stability? And I think that's a very good thing to test. And I'm glad they're including that in their first pilot program. Because if you don't know what would happen to the financial system when you switch everything to a CBDC from a bank account that's that that's definitely something to research so um it also includes uh cases where a single user has multiple accounts with multiple intermediaries um user convenience in initiating and scheduling payments is also something that they will be looking at so excited about what japan's doing here uh i know i hadn't covered japan in a while because uh they were just busy doing their thing with their uh, 
the, the proof of concept. So now that the proof of concept is done, it's exciting to see the pilot go into uh, effect. And I, I can't remember if it said anything around how long the pilot's going to run, but they have a long roadmap of how they're going to roll out their CBDC. So pretty good. Uh, good to see that that's happening. Um, some adoption stuff. Cuba has successfully hosted its first ever Bitcoin meetup in Havana uh, last weekend, and they got about 60 attendees, and some of them were high-profile social media influencers or bloggers or documentarians in the Bitcoin space. So it's kind of nice to see Cuba um, getting in on the Bitcoin action. And the whole purpose of this meetup was to educate people um, on why this is an option, an option to opt out of the current financial system if you don't trust it, and not to just like push Bitcoin to people, but more like, hey, this is an option available in case you didn't know about it, and this is how you go about using it. So I like this approach because if you shove something down people's throat, like it's highly likely you're going to push them away. And that's what I tell people when they try to like convince people that they should own crypto. I'm done convincing people. I just share why I do things. And if they don't want to do it, that's their call. But with enough banking collapses over this year, I, I believe most people are looking for alternatives. So at this point, just providing information that this is an alternative financial system that is doing just fine as these banks are exploding left and right, like that should just help them get on track with uh, getting uh, into crypto adoption. So... Uh, next up, we're going to go over to Dubai, where the first Bitcoin tower is being built. So the the blueprint was unveiled, um, and the designer somebody that is into crypto, and they are fascinated by architecture, so they wanted to marry the both ideas and also uh, embody the Web3, uh, basically the Web3 ethos. So what's going to happen is this is going to be the first ever Bitcoin tower, I believe, in the world. Um, and it's going to have its metaverse version as well. So people will be able to own the physical and digital, like, I believe you can live in there and as well. So that will be exciting because um, Dubai is slowly starting to uh, position itself as the global headquarters for crypto. Uh, with its tax-free uh, regulations and crypto-friendly regulations, tax-free uh, stuff, it's and it's a great place to be. So um, it's good to see that there, every department, like architectural department, like construction, every department is just dump, jumping headfirst into crypto. Um, next, we're going to go to El Salvador, where the author of the Bitcoin Standard, Dr. Safidian Amis was appointed as the economic advisor to El Salvador. And that is a huge, huge thing because El Salvador went headfirst into Bitcoin and they basically showed the finger to the IMF uh, when they were like, um, if you want, we can loan you money, but then um, you can't use Bitcoin. So they decided to basically... Uh, not take the money from the IMF and look where they are now. Like they're they're well on track to pay off their debts, which most countries can only imagine to do. Some countries as big as the U.S. will probably never be able to do that. But um, tourism has 
boosted the economy. Uh, people are building their lives over there. And again, I'm no, I don't, I'm not trying to paint everything like a fairy tale, but there's limitations in El Salvador. It's still a developing country. Um, but it's good to see that Bitcoin has done good for somebody. So um, it's good to see at a national level having the only country that has Bitcoin as a legal tender. I believe it's the only country that has Bitcoin as a legal tender. So that, that's kind of good. And the author of the Bitcoin standard has claimed that El Salvador can be completely debt free if they keep accumulating Bitcoin for the next five years. So, um, Bitcoin maxis might like this, that might make them all excited about this, but I get it. I see the point of Bitcoin. I know that over a period of time, demand is only going to go up, but only betting on Bitcoin, it might not be the best play. But again, I'm not, I'm not the president of the country or anything. Uh, it's better than being in the shackles of the IMF. I can tell you that for sure. So um, exciting times for El Salvador. I really hope they they uh, meet all their goals and they set a wonderful example for other countries and other central banks to um, kind of hold some Bitcoin in their treasury uh, because you need some uncorrelated assets. Uh, and Bitcoin is starting to position itself as an uncorrelated asset. And the reason everybody is talking about Bitcoin and not crypto is because we're not there yet. Every, nobody knows about Ethereum. Like, yeah, sure, few million people in the world, but Bitcoin is something everybody's heard about. So it's just the the face of the whole industry. It's like the Trojan horse uh, situation. So it's okay if Bitcoin gets all the spotlight because once people dive into Bitcoin, they're definitely most probably going to look into other stuff. They're definitely going to look at Ethereum. They're definitely going to look at whatever comes next. So USDC, uh, stable coins. So yeah, instead of confusing people, I'm okay with Bitcoin being the face of the industry. It's okay. It's been around. It's like the grandfather that we all need. It's been around. It's been functioning. Um, so yeah, uh, good for El Salvador. I really hope they go debt free um, and set the right standards. Uh, next, we're gonna jump into regulations. Uh, so regulations, we've got a we've got a lot from the last couple weeks here. So China has been on fire like beijing just released a web3 innovation and development white paper i believe three or four days ago um and some highlights of that is that again beijing wants to be the center hub for crypto it's crazy how many places in the world want to be the central place for crypto um and it's a really good thing for the industry because better the competition, better the product line, better sustainability in the industry and more legitimization of the industry. Like if people want to be the hub, they don't want to be the hub. You don't want to announce publicly. And I'm pointing at Brad Sherman, this, this guy, just his one talking point is tax evaders and drug dealers are the ones that want to use crypto. I'm like, Okay, all these major countries in the world would not publicly be claiming that we want to promote drug dealing and money laundering. Like, that's not how it works. So clearly, um, the genie's out of the bottle. Everybody knows that this industry is the future. So they're trying to position themselves uh, for the next 50 years uh, to be the next financial leader. 
And that's 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 where the power is going to lie. Whoever controls the mining of Bitcoin controls the industry, and that's that's how it's going to work. Um, so good to see that. And then in Beijing, in that Web three innovation report, well, white paper that they launched, that also mentions that they plan on spending fourteen million dollars uh, worth in yuan. Uh, to bootstrap the efforts ar around Web3 adoption in China. Um, and that's going to be in three different, I think it's two different allocations on an annual basis. So they're going to release 14 million uh, every year until 2025. Um, I believe that's what the date was, I think. Uh, but yeah, good, good for crypto, good for China. I know they were anti-crypto for a long time. They banned Bitcoin mining and a bunch of stuff, closed down exchanges. Um, then we're moving on to UAE and Hong Kong working together. So as you know, Hong Kong has been in the news uh, making its round because uh, they're starting to position themselves as pro-crypto and it's really good for Asia. It's really good for the world. Um, they have started to come out with clear regulations they also want you to register with their SEC, but unlike the U.S. SEC, they, I think, have a plan on how to register. Um, so hopefully there's some platforms that can make it. Hong Kong is working with UAE central banks right now uh, and collaborating on crypto rules and fintech development. And their main goal is to strengthen the bilateral relationship. And then secondly, they want to become the the global leaders in fintech in the future so when central banks of these two countries these two places are collaborating that way it's it's incredible um we're gonna jump into us for a second because there's a lot good that has happened in the past two weeks uh the anti-mining bill in texas that was making its round for a couple months uh the highlight of that of that bill was uh, they wanted to tax. No, they it's not the tax. They wanted to, if you run a Bitcoin miner or Bitcoin mining operation, they wanted to surcharge you more money for electricity for doing that. So it just was anti-innovation. It was just a very bad, bad bill. Like, I don't know why someone would do something like that. I'm just kidding. I know why. Um, but... What happened right when that bill came out was um, the don't mess with Texas innovation campaign. <laughs> I got to love this name, though. Like, don't mess with Texas innovation campaign. This literal campaign uh, went into full force educating all the senators and all the all the party members and all the people in power uh, that had to vote on that mining bill. Um, it went into effect and educating people around the FUD that was in that bill and how half of that information was absolutely crap and the other half was uneducated decisions. So um, with a unanimous vote, the bill was killed. So the anti-Bitcoin, anti-mining bill in Texas is no more. And that is all thanks to the Don't Mess With Texas Innovation campaign. So if you search about it, look, read about it. There's a press release around that as well. Um, so good for Texas, good for Texas for preserving innovation 
um, choosing innovation over politics. That that was a good good move. Um, next up, <laughs> next up, we've got Senator Warren Davidson confirming that uh, the thirty percent tax on crypto mining that Biden was proposing. Uh, over a period of three years, I think three or four years, I think it was till 2026. It was an incremental tax on Bitcoin mining that was supposed to bring in uh, $30 billion in revenue over 10 years or something. Um, so that clause that was sneaked into the debt ceiling deal um, has been successfully scrubbed. So we don't have that anymore. So no more extra taxes on Bitcoin either. Uh, Bitcoin mining. So uh, these two developments were kind of nice. I'm glad these happened. It shows us that the tables are turning. We do have a lot of supporters on our side, both on the left and the right of the aisle. And that is what's required for steady handed regulation. Because if you just have uh, partisan support for things, they end up being very political and people become intellectually dishonest, um, and they have to go with their majority. That's how half the innovation never makes it because of just politics. So glad things are moving beyond politics at this point, and we're starting to see the need to stand up for people. Uh, the last piece of news that I've got for all of you uh, is a wholesome piece of news, and I, I like wholesome stuff. It's important to see... The good stuff that's happening in the world outside of the industry, outside of uh, just just technology being used for technology. Um, and we're going to Indonesia for this one. So Solok Rajo. Solok Rajo Cooperative is using blockchain. Uh, so this cooperative is about 3,000 coffee farmers coming together. They're based in West Sumatra in Indonesia. It is using blockchain thanks to partnership with Dimitra. It's a global ag tech firm. Uh, so one of the most painful challenges for coffee farmers is that um, to meet the certification requirements of the export industry. So if you want to export your coffee, there's a lot of like, if you want to sell your coffee to Starbucks, let's say, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of hoops you gotta you gotta jump through, and smaller farmers, smaller farmers just just can't meet those requirements. So bigger corporation end up absorbing uh, these these uh, farmers' produce, and then they make a ton of profit. And that's why blockchain is so important to remove the middleman because what's happening in Sumatra is this cooperative is uh, they have an app built by that that ag tech company, uh, Dimitra, which is helping them implement food safety growing and growing requirements to be ready for its export markets, which includes United States, Australia, and Europe. So this is overall going to help increase profitability and benefit thousands of local farmers using the power of blockchain for transparency, security, and swiftness of tracking everything from growing, from keeping track of the quality to the cupping of the coffee. So this way, more profit goes to the local farmer, farmers and less to the big middleman that just sits there because of the lack of technology. 
Um, so that's why it's important to keep fighting for this technology because it's actually changing lives and actually bringing such happiness to, to families that never thought they would have it. Um, and that makes me happy. That's why I am in this industry. I love looking at news pieces like this that just make my heart happy knowing that this technology is doing good. It's doing good for people's lives. It's doing good for people's environment. It's doing good for everybody overall. So um, with that, I want to close things out. Thank you, everybody, again. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, night, whatever time zone you're in. I love you all, and I will catch you all next week. Thank you.